0: Father, we pray first of all, God, for our children, and we pray blessing on them, and anoint the workers, and anoint what's going on over there. Holy Spirit, just be present over there to build the kingdom in little minds and little hearts in ways that they can understand and be impacted by. And Lord, we pray for our youth right now. Uh, Father, we pray that, that the worship that's going on there would be powerful. Holy Spirit, anoint that worship, and, and draw these kids, our youth, into your kingdom in a way that makes them mighty warriors and evangelists for the cause of your kingdom. And for all the families in this this church, Lord, we pray, Lord, that your love this morning and throughout this year would be on them and that you'd be bringing healing to marriages and healing to uh, parental and child disturbances and fallouts and things of that sort. And then, Lord, as this word goes forward here right now, we pray, God, that you would use it to build faith, a kingdom faith in each one of our hearts and each one of our minds. Lord, we long to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven in every way, shape, and form. So, Lord, right now, Holy Spirit, anoint this message yes. with your authority, not mine, and then show up. It's such a waste of time if you don't show up. We're utterly, 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 utterly dependent on you. In Jesus' name, we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. 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 guys. Right, okay, all right, all right, this is good. I'm going to stand up for a little bit, I think. Here's the thing, what, 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 we come together here, we're, we're a body, and then maybe you're visiting here, so you, I hope that you have a different church body. But what every church body is supposed to be, what every kingdom unit, or battalion, or troop, if you will, is supposed to be, is a, a community of faith. The one thing we have in common when we come together is, uh, is a, a like faith. Not that we agree on all the theological details, we don't. But we have a common vision that we rally around and that guides us. Um, we are a people who have faith that Jesus Christ is Lord, for example. A people who have faith that humans need a Savior and He is that Savior. We have faith that God is love and therefore we have faith that there's hope for every human being uh, in, uh, on this planet. Uh, we're people who come together because we have faith in the Word of God and faith that ultimately the, the faith is, can be summed up this way, that, that God is building his kingdom and he wants to use us to do it. He, he honors us by inviting us to participate with him in the building of his kingdom. We have faith that God is building his kingdom. We have faith that ultimately, all the evidence to the contrary notwithstanding, ultimately that kingdom, the kingdom of God, will win the entire world back for God. And that at that time, God will reign over the whole earth. And that's when his love and his joy and his peace will reign. And that's where when creation will finally be the way God wanted creation to be. As it is right now, it's not even close. And I don't think I need to prove that to anybody. Uh, but, but someday it will be. And we have, we have faith that this kingdom that, that is, is, is uh, just saturated with the love of God will at one, heart by heart, one life at a time, be furthered throughout this world and will eventually uh, take this entire world back uh, for, for Jesus Christ. That's the faith that unites us. We're not a group of people who got our act together in contrast to all the people who don't. We're not a bunch of people who are holy as opposed to all the people who are not. We're not a bunch of people who have all the right opinions as opposed to the people who have wrong opinions. Now religion tries to make that, you know, what a church is about, but it's not. We're not a bunch of people who've got all the right opinions about uh, politics, how the government should run, or what's best for society, or what laws should be passed, or what candidates should be voted on, or what wars the U.S. should or should not be involved in. We probably have all sorts of different opinions on all those topics, and I don't care, because it really doesn't make a bit of a difference. The one thing that we have in common is a common faith in Jesus Christ. That's the only thing we rally around. We are a community of faith. And that's why, at the beginning of this year, I want to talk about that faith. We have a kingdom faith. Now let me flesh out what that means, a kingdom faith. The kingdom, and if you've been around you for any length of time, you've heard this many times and you'll hear it again because this is the essence of what we're all about. The kingdom of God, this category, uh, this, this concept in the Bible, it simply refers to the dome or the domain in which God is king. It is the king's dome, the king's domain. Wherever God reigns, that is the kingdom of God. That is the place where God's will is being done on earth as it is in heaven. All right? That's the, 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 the domain of God. When Jesus Christ came into this world, and still yet today, the world is not the dome in which God is king. It is to a large degree the domain in which Satan is king. He is the primary influence in the world today. The world has been taken hostage that has been seized by this force that's hostile to God and therefore hostile to all that God loves. And God loves us, so Satan is hostile to us. If you wonder why the world is so incredibly screwed up and full of violence and pain and, and, and injustice, it's because the world is polluted with this foreign influence. That's the dome in which Satan is king. Jesus Christ came into this world to plant with his life, his death, and his resurrection, to plant the domain in which God is king. Jesus was, in his life, the incarnation, the very embodiment of the domain in which God is king. He was the perfect incarnation of God. Everything about him evidenced what a human being looks like when they are thoroughly saturated with and governed by the reign of God. Okay, his thoughts, his attitudes, the way he treats people, that's what it looks like when God reigns. And he planted that mustard seed kingdom, and then through the power of the Holy Spirit, he empowers all who surrender their life to him to now reduplicate that. And this is the essence of the kingdom of God. We simply do what Jesus did. That's why it says in Ephesians 5 that we're to be imitators of God, to live in love just as Christ loved us. And this is what it's all about. Uh, We are in our life, individually and corporately, to look like Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus Christ died for those who were crucifying him. He died for his enemies. And that just sort of is the exclamation mark on on his whole life. His whole life was spent in service to people, in service to those that were rejected, as we sang about a little bit earlier. earlier. Welcoming those who are on the outside, the marginalized, serving the oppressed, caring about the hungry, the poor, uh, bringing healing to people who are diseased. In every way, shape, and form, we are to do what Jesus did, individually and corporately. That's why sacrificing out of love For others, sacrificing of of our time, of our talent, of our money, of our resources, in order to benefit them is what it means to advance the kingdom of God. The kingdom always looks like Jesus. It's, It's not hard to detect. Whatever looks like Jesus is of the kingdom of God. Whatever doesn't isn't of the kingdom of God. It really is that simple. Jesus Christ is the criteria for whether or not something's of God or not. Whatever else it calls itself, whatever labels it it has, whatever, you know, professions it makes, it doesn't matter. The litmus test is, does it look like Jesus or not? A church is just a religious organization, a religious version of the kingdom of the world, except insofar as that church, that body of people, look like Jesus Christ on a a large scale. An organization, whatever it calls itself, it's just an organization except insofar as it looks like Jesus Christ. To the extent that it looks like Jesus Christ, it, it, it manifests the kingdom of God. To the extent that it doesn't, it's just another version of the kingdom of the world. Any church, any organization, any institution, any tribe, any nation is just a tribe, an organization, a church, a nation, except insofar as it replicates Calvary, as it looks like Jesus Christ, regardless of what it calls itself. You see, that's the litmus test of the kingdom of God. Now, our one job in life, therefore, is to replicate the life of Jesus Christ. He's birthed in us, and our job is to let him flow through us and impact the world in a Christ-like way. God's goal, this is what brings us together, this is the goal for this year and every year, God's goal is to build a kingdom in us and then build a kingdom through us. To have a kingdom faith means we have faith that God is building his kingdom in this world. Most people on this planet don't know that, or at least they may use that terminology, but they don't know what it means. He's quietly and secretly, without a lot of fanfare, building his kingdom, the dome in which he is king, he's building it on this, uh, on this world, and he wants to use us individually and collectively to do that. That's what's going on in this world. And God's goal is to take back every area of creation to come under his lordship. Which means God's goal is to take every area of your life and every area of every person's life and bring it under the domain in which he is king. It starts with the heart, which just refers to the innermost being of a person. When the kingdom comes to a person's heart, it's first evidenced by surrender, genuine surrender. I'm not talking about lip service surrender because that's not surrender. I'm talking about genuine in the core of your being surrender where you no longer are in the driver's seat of your life, but you've turned over your life to him. Now that doesn't mean that all your thinking and all your speaking and all your behaving and all your relationships all of a sudden look Christian, look Christ-like. It doesn't mean that. In fact, you can have in your life a lot of things that, that don't line up with God's truth. But in the core of your being, this is the first sign that the kingdom has showed up, In the core of your being, something new has happened. You have a God orientation rather than a self-orientation. That's that's the most fundamental aspect of, uh, of the kingdom of God. You're freed from the addiction to yourself, and you begin to grow in an other orientation, and ultimately in a God orientation. You may have things in your life that you desire, but at the core of your being, you desire them, but they're not in line with God's will, but in the core of your being... You desire to desire what God desires. You still maybe don't really desire that, but you desire to desire that. And, and you want to want what God wants. You're no longer, you, you maybe have a lot of dysfunctional, sinful stuff going on. I'm sure you do. But there's a part of you that says, no, you're made for more than this. You're safe for more than this. You're no longer comfortable with just getting by. That's what I mean by the core of your being. There's, there's this God orientation. The universe no longer uh, revolves around you. That's the essence of what the Bible calls the flesh, the fall. You are the center of everything. But rather, when a person when the kingdom comes to a person's heart, they surrender, and now God is the center. And, and, and that's why they begin to feel this joy and this peace, because that's what you are made to, to walk in. So it starts with the heart. Next thing, it starts to move to the mind. You've got to think of the kingdom. This mustard seed kingdom is a kind of a love virus, which once you get it inside of you, it starts just to spread all over the place. It's contagious inside of you. A little leaven. Leaven's the whole lump, the Bible says. When that leaven's starting to grow. It starts to take over you. This is God's version of invasion of the body snatchers. You know? He comes in, and you, you give him a place in your heart, and you know, then he percolates up to your mind. And the dome in which God is king starts to, to, to influence the way you think about things. The Bible says that every thought is to be brought captive to Jesus Christ. There's the dome in which God is king, and God wants to take all those thoughts, all those attitudes, all those prejudices, all those presuppositions, all those assumptions that you've had about the world and about God and about your life and all that, and now bring them in conformity with truth. Okay, that, that, that's the kingdom of God. So you start to see God as he truly is. You've maybe been taught, you've probably been taught, as we've, most of us have been taught, some wrong stuff about God, who God is. And we got all these bizarre pictures of God in our minds, wherever they come from. But as, as, the, as Jesus is birthed in you and begins to grow in you, which is simply the kingdom of God, you begin to see that God is revealed in Jesus Christ. And you begin to see his beauty, the beauty that we sing about a little bit earlier. And you begin to dare to believe Against what so many others may think, you dare to believe that God really is this good, God really is this beautiful, God really is this loving, and you begin to get a true picture of God and begin to collapse the lies about God in your mind. And as you get a true picture of who God is, as you get a true picture of who God is, you begin to get a true picture of who you are because the two go hand in hand. And you see that God dances over you, and that says a whole lot about God, but it says a whole lot about you that you're worth dancing over. And you begin to see your worth and begin to, against all the lies that you maybe inherited growing up and all the lies that you're told on the media about what life is about and what your value is and how to find the good life and all of that. As the kingdom is birthed in your mind, you begin to get a true perception of who you are because of who God is. As we, as we sang last weekend with Christmas, uh, the soul felt its worth Oh, on that holy night. You begin to feel your worth. And that changes the way you think about yourself. You get a true picture of God, you get a true picture of you, and that invariably invariably means you begin to get a true picture of others. You begin to uh, see them as God sees them. It's all a matter of getting your mind and your heart to line up with God. You begin to agree with God that that person there and that person there and that person over there, and yes, even that person over there, was worth Jesus Christ dying for. You begin to agree that they've got unsurpassable worth, infinite worth, And so you begin to reflect that in the way that you think about them and the way that you speak to them and speak about them. You begin to have a Christ-like love towards others. As you realize how much you're loved, you begin to love like Christ. The kingdom is coming in in your heart and then in your mind. And so it inevitably percolates over into our relationships. Whereas most relationships in the world are in one way or another, though few admit this, but it's based on what you can do for me. What have you done for me lately? We're, when when the self is at the center of the universe, it's at the center of all the relationships, and so people use other people to get their needs met. But as the kingdom comes into your heart and then into your mind, you 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 you're a person who has got your basic needs met, and so now you're able to overflow in love towards others, and so you begin to replicate Christ to your family, to your friends, to your neighbors, to your to to, to your co-workers. And even, yes, even, and especially to your enemies. And now your relationships begin to look very different than what characterized the world. You've been freed from that need-based, self-protective mode. You see, in the world, when an enemy threatens you, your first uh, instinct is, do whatever it takes to protect myself. But following the Lordship of Jesus Christ... You, you now are able to see that that enemy has worth. In fact, unsurpassable worth. And your one job in life is to agree with God about that and to reflect that and what you say about them and what you think about them and how you treat them, which is why the Bible says, never return evil with evil, but return evil with good. Bless those who persecute you. Pray for those who despitefully use you. You do the opposite of what the world uh, does. When the kingdom comes, everything looks different because you're starting to look like Jesus Christ. You're starting to uh, have the attitude of Jesus Christ, the mind of Jesus Christ, the behavior of Jesus Christ, and cultivate the relationships of Jesus Christ. It doesn't happen instantaneously. It's a lifelong process. But that's what's going on. And see, as it happens to you, it begins to happen through you. You begin to impact others. And then they get brought in gradually, sometimes radically fast. Other times it takes years and years. But they're under the influence of the dome in which God is king. And whereas other kingdoms go forward and expand by conquering and having power over others, this kingdom quietly, uh, uh, sometimes indiscernibly, like a mustard seed, it's spreading throughout the world. Uh, We don't measure success the way the world does. It's not about, you know, manifested numbers, whatever. It's just seeing the character of Christ replicated to all people at all times in all situations. And that's what's going on in this world. Now I ask this question. I've talked about what the kingdom looks like when it comes to our heart, what it looks like when it comes to our mind, what it looks like when it comes to our relationships. But what does the kingdom look like when it comes to our bodies? Because that's part of who we are. And yes, God is concerned about our bodies. God wants every area of life to be brought under the dome in which God is king. Now to answer that question, we have to do the same thing we do when we answer any kingdom question, and that is we have to look at Jesus. Because Jesus is the sole criteria for what is and is not the kingdom of God. So when you look at Jesus and you ask the question, what does it look like for a body to be brought under the reign of of, of God? The answer you get is healing or wholeness. Now we always, until the Lord comes back, we live in the structures of a fallen world. And and so if the Lord doesn't come back, we're all going to die. We're all going to age. We're all going to have all of that. But when the dome in which God is king shows up, what is supposed to happen is that The illnesses and diseases and infirmities that we struggle with, God reveals as sort of a prelude to the future time when the kingdom shall reign over the whole universe, God reveals the reality of the kingdom by bringing healing to people's lives. That's why in in the Gospel of John, he calls them signs. Signs. The Bible in the book of Acts talks a lot about signs and wonders a sign is something that signifies something else. We get the word signature from it. We also get the word sign from it, but signature kind of captures more of the meaning. It, it, it's, it's, a, here's God's signature. This is of God. He signs that he's real by bringing healing into your life, among other things. But this is a sign, an evidence that God is real. It's a precursor for the coming time when the the kingdom is set up over the whole creation, when there'll be no more sickness and no more disease and no more blindness and no more deformities that will someday be throughout the entire world. Amen? But see, God wants to show that that is real by doing it now, by having it now. It says this in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 10. It says that Jesus went about, uh, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit, and therefore, when the Holy Spirit's there, you have power. So he anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Remember, our one job in life as kingdom people is to do what Jesus does, to, to replicate Jesus. So we are to go about, now none of us have the Son of God, but our job is to go about with the Holy Spirit and therefore with power and therefore with anointing to free people from the oppression of the devil. And one of the ways people are oppressed by the devil has to do with sicknesses and diseases and all sorts of other things. Whenever the body doesn't work the way the body was created to work, that is at least indirectly and sometimes directly the result of demonic oppression. It it, it is not part of God's ideal will for creation. That's why if you look at the Gospels, when, when Jesus went about healing people, whatever, he always diagnosed that as coming, at least ultimately, from the enemy. It wasn't always directly the result of some demonic stuff, that a person was diseased or deformed or whatever, but it was at least indirectly the result of demonic oppression. In fact, the word that's used for disease or infirmity in the Gospels isn't the usual Greek word in the first century. It's the word mystics. And it's really curious because it literally means whipping or flogging. And and, and what it's telling us is this when our bodies aren't working the way God created the body to work, it is at least indirectly, if not directly, a whipping. Uh, The enemy, it's one way the enemy keeps us oppressed, keeps us down. And what God wants to do is even before his kingdom is set up throughout the whole earth, right now among the tribe of people who confess him, who surrender to him, to manifest the, the, the already amidst the not yet, to manifest heaven on earth, to let God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when that happens, it results in healing. And I believe to the core of my being that what God wants to do in us more so than he has in the past. We've seen healings. But, but we haven't seen them Book of Acts style, New Testament style. But what I know to be true, I'm as certain of this as I am of anything, is that God wants that to be happening in our midst. Yes, he wants, he wants, amen. It's okay to say amen in this place. The, the... He wants hearts for sure. He wants hearts surrendered. He wants minds and identities to be transformed. He wants relationships to be be transformed. But he also wants to display his cosmic muscle by healing people, by setting people free. You see, it was part of the ministry of Jesus. It was part of the early church and supposed to be part of the ministry today. Part of what I I, I believe about this, and I've got a passion for this, is... Well, Several months ago, some of you were here when I shared that God had given us a, you know, a, a clarifying vision about what, he, what his plans are for Woodland Hills Church. And, and I'll be saying more about this as, as the, the spring goes on. But part of that had to do with the coming of a black stallion. Do you remember that? Yeah. This black stallion that's coming. There's this untamed black stallion. It's kind of like the horse's version of Aslan, you know, in, in, in the Chronicles of Narnia. He's untamed, he's powerful, he's strong, and he's coming fast. And our job is to be praying uh, for the stallion to show up. And there's a number of things that are going to happen as the stallion shows up. And my sense is that he's already got a hoof coming through the ceiling right here. But there'll be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit's poured out, there is power, as we saw. There is anointing, as we saw. And where there's God anointing and God power, there's God kingdom. The dome in which God is king shows up. So people's hearts begin to be surrendered and we're going to see conversions. And and, and, and relationships begin to get healed and we're going to see marriages being restored. And minds begin to be set up in the kingdom. So we're going to see people finally getting their identity in Christ. But also going to see people being set free from the devil's oppression in terms of their body, in terms of sickness, in terms of illness, in terms of disease. I want to see people getting out of wheelchairs. I want to see people getting free from cancer. I want to see people getting free from the HIV virus. And if that bird flu shows up, I want to have some weapons against it. I want to have a kingdom stand on this. It's God's will that we look like Jesus even in this area. Now, let's get very honest here. I'm preaching this with passion because I believe it, but I'm also going to be honest with you and tell you that this is the hardest thing for me to believe. Yeah, sometimes people say you're not supposed to talk like that. You know, you're supposed to confess positive things, but the Bible never, the Bible never puts a premium on pretense. In fact, it always forbids pretense. We're supposed to be honest. I'm just being honest with you that this is, I, I have an easier time believing that for the kingdom to show up in hearts and in minds and in relationships than I do in bodies. And part of that's just because I, I've, I, I've, I've seen a lot of this happening where, where um, people, excuse me, ma'am, uh, where, where y- y- you pray for something and it doesn't come to pass. I want Look at this passage in Mark chapter 9. I have a lot of sympathy, but a lot of us have a, the, a compassion for this. Uh, there's a guy who brought his, 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 demonic, his demon-possessed son to, to the Lord. He had, his son had been demonized since he was a little infant, and he would brought him around all over the place. Uh, he even brought him to his, uh, Jesus' disciples, and his disciples, even though they had massive success throughout the land on uh, casting out demons and healing people, even raising people from the dead, when they pray, prayed for this young man, it wasn't successful. And so this father, this father of, of this young man, you can understand his discouragement. And some of us are there. And so he, came, he brought the boy to Jesus and said, Jesus, if you're able, will you heal my boy? Deliver him from this demon. And Jesus says this, if I'm able, or if you can, Jesus said, everything is possible for one who believes. Yes. Everything is possible for one who believes. Now, look, he didn't just say everything's possible for me, but not for you. He says, "Everything's possible for one who believes." Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, "I do believe! I do! I do!" But one other thing: we help me overcome my unbelief. Oh, I'm so glad this guy's in the Bible. (laughs) Uh, You know, come on, this is great. And Jesus doesn't say, "Oh, don't don't say that." See, some people get this idea of faith, that faith is sort of this psychological gimmick. And you've got to be like the lion in the, in the Wizard of Oz where he says, I do believe, I do believe, I do, I do, I do, believe, I do believe, I do believe, I do, I do. And they try to just talk themselves into some kind of psychological gimmick. But God's never into gimmicks, and God's never into formulas, and God's never into magic. He's into reality. And faith is a reality thing. This guy, Jesus doesn't chastise him. He was just being real. Lord, I believe. But help my unbelief, because you've got to understand, I've been through a long road here, and I've seen a lot of failures, and, and, and I, I've had some hard times. Uh, and, and so Jesus heals this man. Our prayer, my prayer at least, maybe some of you are in a higher plane, and I bless you for that. But, but, but my prayer is, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. A fan the flame of belief. Now I want to say this. When we pray for someone to be healed, and it doesn't happen, that doesn't mean that they didn't believe. They didn't believe enough. They didn't have faith enough. There's plenty of groups out there that will indict you. They indict the victim. Well, if you just had enough faith, you'd get out of that wheelchair. And if you just had enough faith, you'd whatever. Or it doesn't mean that the person praying for them didn't have enough faith. And it doesn't mean that it wasn't God's will to heal them. So that's kind of, those exhaust the options for most people. I just suggest to you, and I can't go into it much here, I wrote a book about this it. called, Is God to Blame? And, uh, uh, I suggest to you this. The Bible presents a much more nuanced, complex situation than that. Among other things, know this. We're in a war zone. And in a war zone, there are forces that resist whatever you do for the kingdom of God. There are forces that resist it. And that resistance has an effect on what comes to pass. And this is just one of the variables that affect what comes to pass. It helps us realize that we never know why things happen exactly the way they do. Remember, in the case I just gave with uh, this this young man who was demonized, um, Jesus cast the demon out of them, and then his disciples scratched their head, and they go, how come we couldn't do that? I mean, we had all success, all, you know, you sent us out with the 70, and we cast all sorts of demons out, but on this one, all of a sudden, it didn't work. How come it didn't work? And Jesus didn't say, well, because the little boy didn't believe, or he didn't say because the man didn't have enough faith, and he didn't say because it wasn't God's will, and he didn't say because you didn't have enough faith. What he said was, this kind, this kind of demon only comes out with a lot of prayer. And in some manuscripts in the ancient world, add, and fasting. We don't know if that's original or not, but what Jesus was saying is, this is a tough one. Apparently there's different kinds with different strength. And there's different numbers of them. And what you're up against has some effect on what happens. That's why sometimes you pray and you it's a quick answer. Other times you've got to persist. Jesus says, pray like the lady wants to get her case heard by the judge and you just got to press on and keep on pushing towards it. The, the, the point is this. The world is a complex war zone. And whenever we reduce the complexity and the ambiguity of the world down to our little nice formulas that fit between our ears, that it's always, if you, if you just had enough faith, you'll magically get it, or if you just said this right, you'd magically get it, or, or whatever. Whenever we do that, we end up either blaming God or indicting people. But thankfully, see, our job isn't to explain things. Our job is just to obey. And so, amen, Amen. to be faithful as kingdom disciples. And so we don't have to say, we don't have to explain why something didn't happen. What we need to do is just have faith and keep pressing on and keep pressing on. And we don't have explanations. It's complex. Maybe God will give a word of knowledge sometimes, but 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 it's a complex thing, way too vast for our minds to get, get around. We have faith. Now, here's what faith is. Because I I really believe a lot of wrong and sometimes damaging information about this out there. Faith, the Bible says, in Hebrews 11, the only time we're giving a straight definition, and this is one passage where I like the King James Version the best. It it sticks to the Greek most literally. Faith is the substance. The word is hypostasis, and the literal meaning is substance, or essence, or solidity. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The elekos, The word a leg cost means uh, uh, an assurance or a confidence. The confidence of things not seen. Now let's just think about this for a second. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the confidence of things not seen. There's a number of applications to this, but the bottom line application I would give you is this. When you have to have faith in something, it's not to to have a psychological certainty. Sometimes people think faith and psychological certainty are, uh, are, are, are synonymous faith doesn't rule out doubt the man we just saw had faith but he also had doubt faith doesn't rule out doubt but faith is a vision Uh, it's a vision you hold as a substantial reality in your mind and as you hold that substantial reality in your mind it brings about conviction it brings about assurance faith is a move towards action you see something and you press towards it so you have faith you're having faith you're working towards this Faith, by definition, and James tells us this, always issues forth in action. Faith doesn't mean that you're psychologically certain of something. We in our psychologized Western world tend to do this introspection thing on faith. A biblical idea of faith is simply this. I have faith enough to act on it. Yeah. Faith is defined by action. If, uh, uh, if you get to a couple, and, and the, one, one, one person in the couple, they're having faith. Because, see, faith isn't just a religious thing, focus It's a life thing. One's having faith that their marriage is going to fall apart. They just, they're just, you know, whether they know it or not, that's what they're, 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 uh, they're believing. What they're doing in their head is they're seeing their marriage falling apart. And whether they know it or not, as a person thinks in their heart, so are they, the Bible says, this person is pressing towards a failed marriage. It will affect their attitudes. They're going to be, as they're thinking about this thing, they're getting mad, and they come home, and they're all grumpy at their wife, and the wife doesn't even know why, but they've been running this faith this faith story in their head and so we when Jesus says according to your faith be it unto you he's given a life principle as a person thinks in their heart so are they the vision of the future you have in your mind is, the, is all other things being equal the, the future that you're going to bring about we tend to bring about the world that we're envisioning between our minds if a person has a faith that their, their marriage is going to be uh, uh, healed or restored now it's, it's not magic it's not a guarantee that's going to happen because it takes two to make the marriage work as some of us know um, but, but what it means is that, that they're, they're seeing, they're seeing healing, and they're seeing what it will be like when, when they learn how to get along, and they learn how to talk and communicate, and they learn how to, how to argue in ways that aren't damaging, and, you know, and they're running those sorts of scenarios, and so their life is moving in that direction, and all other things being equal, they'll tend to produce that in their life. You can tell what a person believes by how they act. If I say right now, uh, you know what, there's a bond that's going to go off in this room in 30 seconds. Some of you would believe me and some of you wouldn't. Those who believe me, what was happening is that you immediately got a faith, a faith in your head, a, a substantial reality in your head of, uh, of, of this room blowing up and you saw that that wouldn't be good. And so you act on it. You run. Others who didn't have faith that what I was saying was true would sit still because they're not running that scenario in their head. You, faith is that upon which you're willing to act when acting counts. That's why James says faith without works is dead. Uh, it's it's a contradiction to say, I have faith, but I'm not going to act on it. Uh, it, It's an absolute dead kind of faith. If someone says, I believe, uh, a bomb's going to go off in 30 seconds, and they don't run out of this room, they clearly don't believe it, not really. They're kidding themselves if they think they believe it. Or they do believe it, and they have a suicide complex or something like that see, faith is, if I have faith that the plane's going to fly, I'll get on the plane. I'm running a substantial reality of this plane. Now, I don't, am I sure the plane's safe? No, but I'm willing to act on it, you see. So also, faith isn't a gimmick, and it's not a magic thing. When we have faith, kingdom faith, what we do is we hold as a substantial reality this area being brought under the dome in which God is king. And we're to have faith for our marriages. Run that video. Faith for our relationships. Run that video. Faith for our identity. What do you look like when you are a walking, talking manifestation of the dome in which God is king? And faith for our bodies. Envision. Until God does us, tells us to do otherwise. And there are a few cases where he does that. But until he tells us to do otherwise, we're to do what Jesus did when it comes to illnesses and diseases and deformities and those sorts of things. We're to see that coming under the dome in which God is king, and we press towards it, and we press towards it. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. We don't have to explain that. But as long as God is telling us to push towards it, we push towards it. We envision it, and we work towards it. What we want to do this year is be doing more of that when we come together. Uh, we talk about the kingdom, we sing about the kingdom, but we want to give God an opportunity to build the kingdom right here and right now as we pray for one another. And, and, and our prayer is that, our vision, my vision, is that that stallion's showing up. And my vision is to see this as a place where people come to get healed. Hey, I heard there's healings going on here. And, and that brings them into the kingdom. And, and you're seeing people being set free in a wide variety of ways. So that's what we're going to do right here. Now, here's how it will go. Uh, Norm and Greg, if you'd like to come up here. We're going to reenter into a time of worship, and we're going to worship God, because God inhabits the praises of his people. One of the reasons why it's so important that when we come here, we're psychologically ready to be invested in worship, it's because God inhabits that worship when it's genuine worship, and we're not just doing sing-alongs, and where the power of God is, it can bring healing to people, it brings restoration. We owe it to one another, if not to ourselves, and certainly to God, to, to be fully invested when we come together and worship. So we're going to worship him. We're going to have prayer teams, and if teams, would you go take your spot right now? People along the side of the auditorium who are available for prayer. And if you have an area of your life that's not under the domain of God right now, whether it's a physical illness, or whether it's a relationship issue, or a finance issue, or a psychological or emotional issue, um, I I, I encourage you to go and and, and get it prayed for uh, along the side of this auditorium. Just get up and walk over there. If you want to come forward and pray up here by the altar, I encourage you to come forward. If you want to pray on your knees, pray on your knees. As you're worshiping God, be open to the Holy Spirit telling you because you're a minister of God. And uh, The Holy Spirit telling you, hey, pray for that person or pray for that person. Uh, let people catch your attention. And you just say a prayer. Lord, whatever their issue is, uh, Lord, let thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, over there, let, that, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And let's pray for one another. We have a worship context that we're going to saturate with prayer. Let's intercede on, one, uh, on behalf of one another. Some of you might be feel led to kind of walk around and, and pray for people. Uh, you know, I, 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 I be honoring of people's boundaries. But I mean, as you walk around, I did this last service, and I just, I just, from a distance, pray for that person and, and whatever. Let's let the kingdom come right here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. 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 Just surrender to him. Worship, pray, get your needs met. And so let's pray here. Father, can, can we stand as we do this? In, fa- in fact, can we pray this prayer? Uh, Lord, I believe, believe. help my unbelief. Lord, I believe, believe. help my unbelief. unbelief. Lord, we believe, believe. help Help our our unbelief. And Lord, I'm just praying right now in Jesus' name that your Holy Spirit descend here and build your kingdom. Lord, we want to see it manifested in people's minds and people's marriages and people's relationships and in people's bodies, Lord God. Let your healing power flow right here and right now. Call us all into this labor of love as we pray for one another, as we worship you, and let your healing power come and show forth the reality of your kingdom in every way, shape, and form right here and right now in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said... Amen. Let's worship God. Let's pray. Feel free to walk around. Go as God leads you. Oh God.